for it or not. I'm joking, obviously. I'm joking. Don't You can try that. You have to come to the life groups the first week of February. You can try them out for yourself. I can't guarantee any results. This is not, this is not advice. This is just a little bit of fun. But for real, for real, how do we navigate this whole culture of meeting and dating and marrying and being in a marriage and being in a long-term relationship that honors God? Because it's complicated. Do you know, this is interesting, uh, I like facts and statistics about things. Do you know that for the first time in most of our lives, lifetimes, uh, the majority of adults are not married? The majority of adults are not married. <clears throat> that just blew me away because I thought that was the goal, right? <clears throat> Over the last 50 years, marriage rates in the U.S. have dropped by nearly 50%. That means 50 years ago, there were twice as many people who chose to be married than there are in the year 2024. That blew my mind. And just talking about men, because I'm a man, I can't really talk about women because I'm not in their brains, but 63% of men under the age of 30 actually choose, they make a choice to be single. It's complicated. And I think more than just men are choosing to be single in today's society. You have to ask why. It's a bit of a hassle, right? Going on a date, going on a date, finding that person, going through that kind of awkward period is a bit like going on a job interview, getting to know people. You know, got to submit your resume. Where you been? Who you been with? What are your partners? What do you like? What do you don't like? It's all kind of like way out there, and I was never very good at it. But the other part of it is, is the freedom, right? If you choose not to be in a relationship, there's freedom. Because why buy the cow, folks, when you can get the milk for free? I mean, come on. You know? That is not the right way to approach it, by the way. That is what most people think. 77% of millennials say that rather than going through a committed long-term relationship that leads to marriage, say that they would prefer to live with their partner whether it leads to marriage or not. And I guess they figure, well, you're not going to buy a car without test driving it first. I don't know. But even if we delay, even if we avoid, even if we do everything we can to kind of get away from that whole marriage thing, most of us, if we're really honest with us, want somebody. Most of us want a partner to share our life experience with. But even then, if we find them, it's never guaranteed because, you know, probably half of marriages end in divorce. And the other half, it doesn't take long to look around at married people and see the struggles that they go through. It's tough. Something in this world is not working, and we keep doing what everybody else does. We keep using the same methods. We keep going down the same paths. We keep looking in the same places. We keep doing what everybody else does. And listen, I want us to understand this today. If you do what most people do, you will get what most people get. If you continue to use the same methods, the same ways of meeting people, the same ways of being who you are in this whole quest for the perfect relationship and perfect marriage, you will get what everybody else gets. So today, I would like to take a different approach. Today, I want to talk about something that can apply to all of our lives, whether you're married or single. Today's message is called Finding the Love You Want. And so, Father, open our hearts today. You designed us to be in relationship. You designed us with a person for us in mind. 
And we know that in your book that was written since the beginning of time, you know exactly what that picture looks like. And sometimes we stand in our own way, God. Sometimes we get in our own way. And so help us today not just to take this as a lighthearted, it doesn't apply to me kind of message, but to take it to heart to internalize what your word says today, God, so that we can be people who can find those relationships that honor you. Use me however you see fit. Speak through me and make the words be yours, not mine. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll all say amen. If you're at home, type amen for me. Last week, we started this series on the book of Ruth. And if you weren't with us, I'm going to give you a real kind of flyover review of what happened. The book of Ruth starts out with a family of four. We've got Elimelech, Naomi, and their two sons. Remember, Elimelech, my God is my king. Naomi, sweet. Her two sons, sick and tired. Living in Bethlehem. Famine comes up. Elimelech decides, well, we're not staying here. We're beating feet. Moab, a place that God had forbidden his people to live because Moab was a, a town that was built from the ancestry of an incestual relationship. They worshiped a God called Shemosh, who's, who's, uh, they appeased him by sacrificing young children to, to honor this God. God calls Moab his wash basin, the place where people wash their dirty feet. He did this, Elimelech, to save his family from the famine, but did it? No. Because in real short order, Elimelech dies, sick and tired both die, leaves Naomi alone with her two daughter-in-laws. And so Naomi decides to turn back from Moab to Bethlehem. Remember last week we said, if you want to get to the right place, you've got to leave the wrong place. She decides, I'm going back. I am turning my back on Moab and I am going back to Bethlehem. Chapter one starts with heartbreak and loss as Naomi turns from Moab to Bethlehem. She had two daughter-in-laws. She told them, you guys stay here. Marry some Moabite men, have some Moabite babies, live your Moabite life. One of them does, Orpah stays, but remember, this is what Naomi, I mean Ruth, told Naomi when Naomi was trying to get her to stay in Moab. Ruth says, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Naomi and Ruth then returned to Bethlehem in the same position they were in when they left Moab. Homeless, hopeless, hurting, wondering where, where God is going to be in all of this. Anybody there today? Anybody been going through something that you're just like, what is the answer, God, and why can't I find it? But chapter one comes to an end. Chapter 1 stops. We turn the page. Today, we're in a new chapter. Today, chapter 1 is behind us. Today, we are starting a brand new chapter in this book. And I'm not sure who this is for. I'm not sure who came in today wondering where God is in their life or what am I going to do or how is this ever going to work out. But, but God is going to turn a page in your story. God is going to do something amazing in your life today if you allow him to do it. I am not sure who it is. Somebody in here has been stuck for a long time. Maybe more than one of you. Maybe somebody at home has been stuck in a place that you can't get out of. Maybe it's your Moab. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's something that you can't explain. God is going to turn a page. Chapter 1 
is over. We've just entered chapter 2. And when you turn away from Moab, you will find God's blessing in your Bethlehem. So let's dig in. Y'all ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right. I am ready too. Ruth 2, chapter 1. Everybody turn to Ruth chapter 2. Not chapter 1, verse 1. Sorry. Uh, Sometimes I don't know what I'm saying up here. Like you didn't know that already. (laughs) Ruth chapter 2, verse 1 says this. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. Everybody say Boaz. Boaz, Boaz was known as a strong man, a, 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 a strong man. It says in here that he was a man of standing. But when we say he was a strong man, that doesn't mean he was like, the beach ball is at the beach over there. It wasn't like that. It meant that he was a man of standing, a man of internal strength, a man of internal character, a man of internal integrity. And there's some parts of that definition that say he might have had some wealth. He might have owned some property. He was a guy that was looked up to. He was a guy that also was a man of character and integrity, a man of standing. And I got to tell you that a man of standing is way better than a man of sitting. A man of standing, one who will do what is right in God's eyes, one who will honor God, one who will stand up for what is morally right, is way better than a man of sitting who sits around being passive and noncommittal and complacent. Everybody would like to have their own version of a man of standing. Everybody wants their own version of a Boaz. Everybody wants their own version of somebody who is strong of character, strong of integrity, morally sound, honoring God. We want that Boaz. We don't want the lazy ass. We don't want the broke ass. We don't want the dumb ass. And some of you are like, some of you are AZ ass. Come on, people, get your minds out of the gutter. Some of you are like, you just described my last three relationships. We want the Boaz. We want the Boaz, the man of standing, Boaz. That's who we just met. Verse 2 says this, And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. So Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. Now, this is a picture that we need to, to, to not dismiss because... You may think, well, Naomi just went out and started picking some, some, some grain in the fields. But, but what she was doing, this act of gleaning, was something ordained by God. What God did way back when is he said, if you own crops, you can go and you can harvest all the stuff in the middle. You leave all the stuff around the outside. Don't harvest it. And anything you drop, don't pick it up. Because the people who have less, the people who have need, the people who might ha- not have any food, They're going to come in and glean from your fields so they get to take the stuff that is left over. It's kind of like God's food bank, right? Kind of God's soup kitchen, his way of caring for widows, for orphans, for the outcasts. But it's important because in the the act of of, of us reading that Ruth has to glean from the fields, we know that she is in a low place in her life. We know that she doesn't have any food in her pantry. We know that she is doing everything she can just to survive. Ruth chapter 2 Verse 2. Then we continue in verse 3. It says, She went out, entered a field, 
and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Scripture tells us, as it turned out, some translations of this passage say it just so happened. It just so happened that in her lowest point, she goes into a field that is owned by a man named Boaz, who we know is already a man of standing, a man of integrity, a man of character, a man after God's own heart, a man who honors God with what he does. It just so happened. I wonder, you ever been in a place where something just so happened? Something just happened that day. You might have been low. You might have been going through a storm. You might have been in a valley. You might have been just on your knees in prayer and something just so happens to come across your path. We call those a God wink. That's what Susie and I call them. You might call them the same thing. God winking at us, showing us that through the midst of our pain, through the midst of our struggles, through the midst of our sorrows, through the midst of our burdens, he's still there. He's still faithful. It may be something small. It may be something big. It just so happens. God just so happens to show up at the time when you don't know that he's going to show up. God just so happens to do amazing things. He just so happened to show up in Ruth's life. She just so happened to come across this man named Boaz. And this is why I find the book of Ruth so powerful. Not, not because there's a whole bunch of miracles being performed, not because there's burning bushes talking to us, not because anybody's turning water into wine, not because there's voices from heaven, not because there's even supernatural miracles, but because all through the book of Ruth, we see the supernatural providence of God. This is what God does in our lives. He uses natural circumstances to bring about his supernatural plans. It just so happens that God shows up. Romans uh, 8.28 tells us that God will use everything in this world for the good of those who love him and who are called according to his purpose. It just so happens that God is mighty. It just so happens that God is powerful. It just so happens that God is faithful, and he will always show you that he is still in your life no matter where you are. just so happens that while Ruth is working in the field, that field just so happened to be owned by a guy named Boaz, a man of standing. It's the perfect rom-com twist, by the way. Perfect rom-com twist. While Ruth is at her lowest, while Ruth is actually scrounging for food in a field that she doesn't own, the handsome hero comes on the scene. I mean, I don't even know if he was handsome. He could have been ugly, for all I know. But he had a job, right? Got to have a J-O-B if you're going to be with me. I mean, that's the way it is. A man of standing. This was no, like, scrub, right? She didn't want no scrubs. (laughs) Can I get an amen? amen? All right. The handsome hero comes on the scene, or maybe even the ugly hero with a job, I don't know, throws this plot twist in. And look, life throws us these plot twists all the time. We've got to be able to recognize them. We've got to be able to see that God is just so happening to do things. Uh, Our story, mine and Susie's story, is is very similar to this. Um, I I was in a kind of low place in my life, a marriage that I was in that I thought was going to be the marriage that I was supposed to be the rest of my life had ended. I was a single dad. I I was raising two kids, and I wasn't really doing so well making ends meet. And I'm like, God, where are you in all this? And now part of that was my fault. I wasn't really close to God. I wasn't walking with him. I was kind of like back pocket God, pulling him out because I was in a bad place. But, But through that, God just so happened 
It just so happened. It just so happened that my brother-in-law from that former marriage was dating a girl named Sandy. It just so happened that Sandy has a daughter named Amanda. It just so happened that my son Chris and her daughter Amanda became friends. It just so happened that Sandy was planning a birthday party at the skating rink for Amanda and invited me. It just so happened that Sandy had a sister named Susie. It just so happened that I went to that skating rink party, put on my really cool roller skates, rolled around like I was some big shot. It just so happened that I started a conversation with her. Just so happened. God worked in all of those things. And he can work in your life, too. If you're looking for that person, if you're looking to make your marriage better, God will just so happen to do things that you can't even explain. Ruth just so happened to come across a man named Boaz, a man of standing. But did it just happen? Did it just happen? Was that like just sheer coincidence? And my answer to that is no, because a part of Ruth chapter 1 we didn't read last week is a verse where Naomi actually prays for Ruth. And Naomi prays for Ruth. You can go home and read it. I hope you do. I hope you read all of Ruth. Uh, and And she says... This is my paraphrase. May the Lord show you kindness and may the Lord bring you a husband. She prayed for Ruth to find the person that God had designed for her. Listen, when you pray, God listens. When you pray, he cares. When you pray, he hears you. When you pray, that's when God will just so happen to show up in your life. When you pray for situations, and maybe you're looking to make your marriage better. Maybe you're looking to meet Mr. Right, not just Mr. Right now. Maybe you're looking to even meet somebody who you can start that relationship with. When you pray, God will just so happen to put those things in your life. Pray for your future spouse. Pray for your current spouse that they may be, you know, uh, the person God calls them to be. Parents, pray for your kids. Pray for their uh, relationships. You know, we have prayed for all of my kids. We have prayed some of them in, and we have prayed some of them out. That's right. Amen. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. We do that. It's important if you're trying to find that one person, that love that God has for you, that we are always praying about that, always asking God to show us where that is. Ruth, just working in the fields, normal day, it just so happens she meets Boaz, the man of standing. There are no accidents in God's economy, by the way. Verse 4 says, Just then Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you, he said, and the Lord bless you, they answered. This is our first real look at who Boaz is, this man of standing that we've heard so much about. But from this very short verse, we can see that Boaz is a leader. He's coming out to the field. Anybody ever had a boss that you never see? Anybody ever had a boss that is just not involved and they just expect you to do everything and the only time you hear from them is when something goes wrong? Yeah, we've all had those. I hope none of us are those. He's a leader. He's out there. He's in the fields with his workers. He's positive. He doesn't come out to the field and be like, hey, you missed one. He comes out to the field, and the first thing he does is he blesses them. He's kind. And I think this is so important that the first thing we read about Boaz is that he's mentioning God. Because, look, here's one of my best relationship tips I can give anybody, whether you're in a marriage or whether you're looking for a marriage. If you can't talk freely about your faith, if you can't talk freely about Jesus, if you can't talk freely about God, 
with the person you're with, that's a red flag. That's a red flag. Look, if, if, if your Boaz or your Ruth loves Jesus more than they love you, you'll probably be in a good position. I tell my kids this all the time. Find somebody who loves God more than you, and that will solve a lot of your problems. But you can't talk about that faith journey together as a couple. Look, we don't like that, right? We don't like anybody to love something else, even if it is God more than us. We want to be the center of attention, but I'm telling you what, the way relationships work is God at the center, and we are an extension of that. And if we can do that, look, if, you're, if you can't talk about God or your faith or Jesus or questions or the Bible or whatever it is, if you can't attend church with your person, <clears throat> red flags are waving. Red flags are waving. Just my tip. She's serving God. And it just so happens that Boaz notices Ruth. And I got to tell you, if we're real candid, that her Christian mingle profile probably wasn't all that. <laughs> it probably was not up there in the list of must-like profiles on Christian mingle, right? Because, first of all, here she is in a Jewish town, God's town, Bethlehem, gleaning from the fields of a man of standing in the Jewish community, and she's a Moabite, right? A, a, a race derived by incestual relationships. She's a Moabite, worshiping the wrong god, Shemash. She's a widow, which means, I'll put it as delicately as I can, that she was not pure. She would not have qualified to be the mother of Jesus Christ, if you get what I'm saying. She was homeless, destitute, and worst of all, and you gentlemen will know exactly what I'm talking about, she lived with her grumpy, bitter mother-in-law. <laughs> she didn't just have some baggage. She had a whole match set of luggage. She had a complicated past. That is true. She had a complicated past, but she didn't let her past define her. She got out there, and she did what she needed to do. And she, she let her past prepare her for what's going for what's coming in her life if you're looking for your mr or mrs right if you are looking to 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 have a better marriage if you are trying to be a better person in your current marriage you cannot let your past define who you are you cannot let your past talk you out of being the person that god has designed you to be you cannot let your past talk you out of the future that god might have planned for you we get stuck here all the time look we are in chapter two now chapter one is behind us it's a new chapter we got to turn the page we can't say well you know all the relationships i've had they were such and such and i was such and such and that's just i can't be the person that somebody wants no we can use those god can use all of that experience to prepare you for what he has in store for you god works in your life just the same as he works in ruth's life verse five we read this Boaz asked the overseer of his harvesters, who does that young woman belong to? And the overseer replied, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. She said, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. She came into the field and has remained here from morning till now, except for a short rest in the shelter. So this is what Boaz sees in Ruth, regardless of what her Christian mingle profile looked like. He's looking at real-life Ruth and seeing a few things, some qualities that Boaz notices in Ruth. The first he notices is that she's faithful to God. She turned away 
from Moab. She turned away from a false god, and she turned towards Bethlehem, the place where God could be found. He notices that she's loyal to her family. She stayed with Naomi even though she didn't have to. She wasn't bound by law or any other uh, thing to stay with Naomi. She just said, I want what you got. I want the God you have to be the God of my life. He notices that she's a hard worker. We read, she was there early in the morning, and she worked all day long and only took a real short break. We also notice that she honors God morally. And this is easy to miss. But a widow in that day would most likely have made their living as a prostitute. Ruth chose not to do that. Ruth chose to go out and do what she needed to do, gleaning in the fields. I can imagine that was probably a pretty demeaning thing to do, to have to be picking up the scraps from all the other harvesters. And this is not just a model of a person that we want to find. Look, this is a model of a person we need to be. If we want to find the right person in our lives, we got to be the right person in our lives. If you want something different, sometimes you got to be something different. If you want something different and you're stuck in the past, we got to turn that page, move on to chapter 2, and ask God to help us be a little bit more like the person he designed us to be so that we can find the person he designed us to have. Now, what is Ruth seeing Boaz? Verse 8 says, Boaz said to Ruth, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field and don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you are thirsty, go and get a drink from the water jars the men have filled. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. What does Ruth see in Boaz, this man of standing? The first thing we notice is that he honors her. Men, I cannot tell you how important this is. In your relationships. Honor the woman that you're with. He calls her daughter. That is a term of endearment, a term of, of affection. He doesn't say, hey, Moabite. He says, daughter. He embraces her. For us, that might mean you need to open the door for your woman. It might mean you need to let her go first. It might mean you need to put her Needs ahead of yours. Tip the waitress. Pay the bills. He honors her. Then he protects her. He protects her. He says, don't go to those other fields. They're crap. You don't want those fields. You want to be in my field. Don't go over there. He protects her. He also says that he told the men not to be harassing her. And look, guys, we got to protect the hearts of our women. We have got to protect them. And, you know, I, I have heard from a very close source in my life that there are situations where, you know, ladies will be with their significant other out in a group with all the significant other's friends. And all those friends will be coming down on the, on the lady and the, the, the guy will just be like pitching in with them. Got to protect her. Protect her. Protect her heart. Protect her purity. Protect her honor. He provides for her. He says, stay here. Stay here. Pick up all you want. 
And look, I, got, I get it, I get it. In this day and age where housing is expensive and everything's expensive, sometimes both people in a relationship need to work. But that doesn't mean you can't provide for the person you're with. Man, that doesn't mean you can't provide for your woman. You can provide for her physical needs, her emotional needs. And then he prays for her. And I cannot tell you the power that corporate prayer has made in mine and Susie's relationship. And we don't always pray together, but we always pray. We always pray for each other. We always pray for uh, ourselves to be better. Look, you don't want to marry somebody you can't pray with. You don't want to marry somebody that can't pray or won't pray for you. You don't want to be involved in that relationship. He prays for her. And I'm not just talking to single people here. I, I know it's easy to hear this message and be like, I'm married, I don't need any of this. But we do. I'm not just talking about single people who are looking to find that somebody. I'm talking about everyone. Yes, it's for the person we're looking for if we're single. But these are also qualities that we need to develop in ourselves. These are also qualities that we need to ask God to help us turn that page from the old us and become a new us. And look, if we are in a relationship, if we're married, right, single or not, we can all benefit from becoming a Boaz or becoming a Ruth to our partner. It's not about just setting a milkshake out in the yard, folks. There's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. These are qualities that all of us need to, uh, to, to internalize and qualities that honor God. And then Boaz puts an exclamation point on the whole deal. He says, at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here, have some bread, and dip it in the wine and vinegar. And when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some roasted grain, and she ate all she wanted and had some left over. This is such an amazing reflection in Boaz of the God we serve, of the God who will do exceedingly and abundantly more in your life than you can ever imagine. We don't want to be people who just meet the basic needs somebody has. We want to be people who exceed the expectations. We want to be people who, who look for the needs to be met, and we seek to meet the needs, and we honor God, and we honor the people we're with. The, <laughs> look, our relationships and the people we're with, if you haven't figured it out, they should reflect the relationship we have with God. Think about what God does for us. Think about how God loves us, how God protects us, how God provides for us. The relationships we have on earth should be a mirror image of that. Whether you're single or not, if you've been married 50 years, it can always get a little bit better. If you've been married two years, it can probably get a lot better because I've been married for two years and I know what that's all like, right? I know that whole honeymoon's over now. Let's figure out what it means to really live together as a couple. This is not, <laughs> this is not the same as just sliding into somebody's DMs and being like, sup? <laughs> Lunch question mark right that's it one word phrases you're so beautiful i want to get with you i mean who does that apparently a lot of people do that it's more than that it's more than that look we all want relationships that matter we all want to have that one person in our lives that we can share every experience with 
We want the relationships that honor God. Single and looking in a, sing, in a non-married relationship or married, we all want those kind of relationships, or at least we should want those kind of relationships. But this is more than, than relationship counseling. This is more than who to look for when you go out and look for a man. This is about us. This whole message is about us. Yeah, we want to find our Ruth. We want to find our Boaz. But in order to find our Ruth, we have got to be Boaz. In order to find your Boaz, you have got to be a Ruth. We have got to be the people that we see in this passage of Scripture here. Because whether you're looking for your Boaz, or whether you're looking for your Ruth, or whether you're looking to be a Boaz, or whether you're looking to be a Ruth, listen, this is what it comes down to. To find who God wants for you, you have to discover who he wants you to be. If we don't embrace who God wants us to be, we are never going to find the person God has planned for us. It just doesn't work. And many of us are just stuck. Many of us are stuck in the same place, saying things like, I wish my husband could be fill in the blank. I wish my wife was more fill in the blank. I wish I could find a guy who fill in the blank. I wish I could find a girl who fill in the blank. And we rarely ever look at us. We do the same thing, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. How often do we look at ourselves to determine who God wants us to be? We do the same thing. We're stuck in the same place, and we wonder why nothing different ever happens. We wonder why we have the same kind of men or the same kind of women, or our marriage never changes, or our marriage never gets better. We wonder why, if you've, if you've been in that chapter one, if you have been stuck there for a while, if you have a marriage that could always be better, if you're looking for that relationship, or maybe you're in a relationship, and you're like, is this the right one? Is he my Boaz? Maybe you need to look and say, you know, I'm going to turn a new chapter. I'm going to look to see if I'm the Ruth. I'm going to look to see if I'm the Boaz. We have got to turn the page. We have got to turn from our Moab, and we have got to return back to Bethlehem. Bethlehem, when we turn the page, when we face God, when we ask God on our knees in prayer, God, who do you want me to be? Turn me into somebody's Boaz. Turn me into somebody's Ruth. Make me the person that somebody would want to spend their life with. When we do that, we will find God's blessings in our lives. When we ask God to open us up to be the people he designed us to be, look, every one of us was designed on purpose. And for purpose. Every one of us was designed to be a Boaz. And every one of us was designed to be a Ruth. The question is, are we stepping into that life? Because maybe we're stuck. Maybe we're stuck. But God is faithful. When we turn the page. When we come back to him. When we get on our knees. In our relationships. In life. In any situation you want to put in this place right here. When we are faithful. We turn the page. We come back to God. We get on our knees. God will just so happen to do amazing things in your life. He will just so happen to show you things that you have never, ever seen. But to discover who we are in him, we got to let go of that. <clears throat> we got to let go of that part of us that's still in Moab. We got to turn the page, turn back to him. If you're hurting and you're stuck, turn the page. If you're caught in an addiction, I don't know, beer, uh, alcohol, drugs, internet, porn, gambling, 
spending, shoes, watches, whatever that addiction is, turn the page. Turn the page back to him. If you're losing hope that God will ever bring somebody into your life, turn the page. Ask him, how can I be a Ruth? How can I be a Boaz? If you're battling a depression, you're battling an anxiety, turn the page. Turn back to him. If you are tired of Mr. Right now and you really want to find Mr. Right, turn the page. Turn back to him because whatever you're going through, God sees you. God has a plan. God has a purpose. When you turn the page, when you leave Moab, when you turn back to God, God just so happens to show up at the right time with his providential power and his amazing, wonderful love in your life. He will use those natural circumstances to bring about supernatural will. It happens over and over and over again. I've seen it. I've seen it. I got to tell you a little secret. It might be a secret for some of you. For some of you who've known me a long time, it probably isn't. I consider Susie and I to have a really strong, biblically-based, Ruth Boaz kind of relationship. I do. I'm blessed. We're lucky. But here's a little secret. (laughs) I I was not a Boaz when she met me. I was dumbass, for sure. Prideful as, maybe self-centered as I've told you before that I had this dream of owning a music store when she met me I had filed bankruptcy and I told you a little bit earlier in this message that God just so happened to orchestrate some things that put Susie in my life just at the right time now it just so happens that Susie is probably the most devoted follower of Jesus Christ that I have ever met in my life just so happens that God put that person in the life of somebody who was not a Boaz and who was wrapped up in himself. It just so happened that she started praying for me. I didn't know this. It just so happened that her influence on me led me back to church. It just so happened that her influence on me had me on my knees praying. It just so happened that as a result of those prayers, I was offered a job that I was not qualified for. It just so happened that I turned out to be really good at it. And it just so happened to become a career that has supported my family and helped me provide for my family. It just so happened that that job offers me some free time which just so happened to allow me to respond to his initial call to go into ministry. And as I continued to work in ministry, he just so happened to continue to work. He just so happened to call me to lead this church. And none of that would have just so happened if I had been stuck not being Boaz. And it just so happened that he put the right person in my life at the right time to help me along that path. Once I turned back to him, once I turned the page with Susie's influence, turned back to him, I could feel him changing me. Look, if you want to find your Ruth or you want to find your Boaz, you have got to become the, the Ruth or the Boaz. And if you're married and you're wondering why you still have that kind of stuff going on and you can't get past it, this is for you too. This is for you too. There is a design for your life. And God knows what it is. And we will never find it in Boaz. We will only find it when we leave chapter 1 and we turn that page and we face him. We get on our knees and we pray, no matter what you are going through, you may have come into this place just with all kinds of questions. But you know what? 
It just so happens that you're here today. You are here today in this place. It just so happens that if you have allowed yourself, God may be speaking to you right now. Your chapter one is finished. It is time to turn the page. Your chapter two begins. If you are struggling in your marriage, it might just so happen that God is speaking to your spouse at this very moment to ask that person to become the Ruth, to become the Boaz that you need in your life, to to be a person who honors you and protects you and provides for you and prays with you if your faith is low. It just so happens that right now you are in the presence of the God who created the heavens and the earth. He is here. Whatever you're going through, if you turn from your Moab and face towards him, turn the page, he will just so happen to We all want that relationship. We all want to be with the person God wants for us. We want to be in a relationship that honors God. But before we find who God wants for us, we have got to discover who he wants us to be. And I hope you'll do that. Chapter one's done, folks. Time to turn the page. Chapter 2. Ask him. Make me a Ruth. Make me a Boaz. Show me who you have for me. And he will just so happen to show up. And maybe you're sitting here today thinking, well, all great but I don't even know God I don't know this Jesus you're talking about but here's the amazing thing if you ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life he will just so happen to give you salvation he will just so happen to turn your life around and I won't say that your life is going to be easier I will say that your life will be better because even if you go to the rock bottom of anything when you're in a relationship with Jesus, there is always a rock at the bottom that you can cling to. Jesus. And if you come in here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you're watching online, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, we'll pray together. If you feel God calling you right now, that's God. That thing you're feeling in there, that 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 burning, that whatever it is that is the holy spirit calling you right now god is calling you god is calling you he wants to have a relationship with you he wants to be restored to you he wants to love you in the way that you're designed to be loved he wants you to be the person that he he designed you to be he wants you to have a life that is with somebody who can who can honor god with you and and share that faith journey with you and share your ups and share your downs he wants that for you but it all starts when we come to him when we turn the page and so together with all eyes closed and all heads bowed we'll pray together Jesus I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world Jesus I believe you died on the cross as payment for my sin Jesus I believe you rose on the third day 
defeating my separation from God. Jesus, I want you to take over my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, for anybody who has come to a point of decision today, we just want to give you all the glory and all the honor. I know you're working in this place. And I ask that you just continue to work on anybody who doesn't know you. That you just send your grace, the irresistible grace, out like flood waves. God, help us to see who we are. Help us to ask you to show us what we need to get rid of, to be the Ruth or the Boaz that you've designed us to be. We want to find our Ruth and our Boaz, but first, God, you call us to be a Ruth or a Boaz. And that's hard. That takes us getting out of our prideful ways. That takes us asking you, only through you, can we understand what needs to go and what needs to stay. So help us to be that vulnerable, God, with you. Finally, I ask that you keep everybody here healthy and safe until we meet again. And we'll pray all these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll say, Amen. Hey, listen, if you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today, we would love to know about that. On the cards that you have there, there's a link at home. Um, You can just let us know. We would love to pray with you. We would love to uh, get you involved with a Bible-believing church, whether it's Hope Springs Church or another church. Uh, We're good with that. We're not jealous people. We just want you to be involved with a group of people. Um, And if you would like prayer, uh, we'll be available for a little while. But don't forget uh, that we'll wait about